This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Now we've got to know Mr. Producer... It looks like we may be crossing the line as your two favorite fucking guys. Look at episode eight of Paramount Plus's limited series, The Offer, directed by Gwyneth Horder Payton and written by Russell Rothberg. This episode is titled Crossing the Line. As ever, to help me battle through the world of mobsters and film production is the Larry, uh, is the Barry Lapinus. To my Charlie Blue Don, Will Chich. How are we this week, Will? I'm good, mate. Yourself? I'm very, very, very well. Yeah. Is there anything, anything exciting been going on? Anything, anything? I don't know. You what? You what? You watched anything related to what to to the offer at all, or any Godfather adjacent? Well, to be like, I had great plans because the family have been away and I couldn't go, unfortunately, because I was working. So I've had the five days of um, the house myself. And I had great plans to watch loads of stuff. And now I watched a load of shit, basically, and at pizza. That was about it, really, and worked. Love but, it. yeah. That's, that's, yeah. That's normally my life. I was like, well, it's like, yeah, I watch other stuff apart from stuff for the podcast. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, no, I'm just, I'm just editing podcast episodes or yeah recording or, or do you know what I mean I'm, I was like oh, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna watch all those um those criterion collection I bought during lockdown when I had my blu-ray meltdown I'm finally gonna watch all them no I didn't <laughs> I watched slugs again lovely. so yeah lovely stuff we talk about slugs we're taking some slugs of some wine tonight it is Rosé Week! So, Will, what Rosé have you gone for this week? We've synchronised, mate. We have indeed, we've sir. The, we've got the same wine. Yes, we have a uh, 19 Crimes Revolutionary Rosé. 
which from looking at the back, they don't really like tell you much about the flavors for these wines, do they? They just kind of give you a spiel yeah. about Australia. And it's like, okay, great. Even though it's a wine of Spain. I was just going to say the same thing. I didn't even notice that until I just read the back. It's a wine of Spain. What what year? What year is your what year have you got? What, what how many candles are you burning? Well, twenty twenty one. I'm at thirteen point five percent. Lovely stuff. Yeah, I'm a I'm a, I'm a two thousand and one as well. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, yeah. it's how, a nice drop actually. It is a nice drop. Yeah, how's, how's it? What yeah. notes are you getting? Seeing as they're not they're not giving us some spiel to give. I try. Hmm. It's me. See, this is why I don't normally go for rosé, because I, exp- I always think of rosé as being really sweet. Mm-hmm. But it's not, mate. It's lovely. No, this is, yeah, this is very much like the... Tastes like a white to me, with like a slight bit mm. of a... I don't know. A slight little, a slight little fruity hint to it. I'm, I'm liking. And floral notes on the nose. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Let me have a little whiff of that, actually. <sighs> Some... It's lovely, mate. I'm fully on board. I'm a wine. I was. I'm a white convert from last week, and now I think I'm a rosy convert. Oh, um, yeah. We're gonna be. We're gonna be. We'll be a couple of whiny fellas. Mm. Well, I've, I've been called that on more than one occasion. <laughs> In regards to something else, though. <laughs> yeah, just a whiny fella. You're a, you're such a whiny bloke, Will. <laughs> Um, so, as we look at episode eight of the offer, Will, do you mind um, doing your duties and telling us where did we leave the gang at the end of last week's episode? Yeah, so Bob is in a bit of an emotional spiral. He's um, split up with his wife, and he's he's dabbling in a bit more drinking. The older nose candy more than usual. Um, yeah, there's been some firings going on. Jack Pallet's gone. Bind, uh, Ruddy is under pressure. Um, and we finished off with Columbo has been shot. So that leads us perfectly into the start of this episode because it kind of mm. kind of retraces that right with. Colombo with like yeah Al Ruddy having a nightmare of Joe Colombo being shot again yeah. and then the gun being pointed at him which didn't mm. happen right but like we we assume it's in the nightmare in his nightmare yeah we had a plank and that's when he wakes up so yeah and then he's uh, awoken because two FBI men are at his door uh, come to have a chat with him. What have they come to chat to him about, Will? Well, he was there. He was <laughs> he was at the rally, and they want to know if he saw anything. And they specifically want to know if they saw a Mister Crazy Joe Gallo at the at the uh, rally, mm-hmm. which he didn't. But he is now a person of interest. Is ready because he's been under surveillance. They've seen. He's he claimed you know it's just a purely to do with the movie. They say, "Oh, is that why you went to dinner at his house?" Yeah, yeah. So they obviously they know more. They've been watching him. They've been watching what's been going on. Yeah, because so, yeah, it's, it's he's a same, person of interest. Those same two cop, 
cops that came and visited him that time in his office, right? And they got on like mm. a house on fire. And they've very much gone from good cop to bad cop in this one. It's like, yeah. It's like, we got more surveillance on you than some of Joe Colombo's men. And it's like, well, do your fucking job. Stop looking at this bloke and look at some of Joe Colombo's men. <laughs> yeah, that might help rather yeah. than watching him. But yeah, so they've, um, they turn up, they do their thing, scowl. And yeah, basically tell him to watch his back. Yeah. He doesn't want to be in the crossfire if anything goes on. Yeah, and is it they on the way out? They hand him the paper, don't they? As well to be like kind of what? What is it? Is it to show him that Joe Colombo's still alive? Or not? Really, I wasn't really sure because the paper was already at the door, and they leave, and then they pick it up, and he comes back in and just plonks in front of him, and that's what he says. I think about um, just remember, you don't want to be caught in the crossfire if this does get worse, and he's so yeah. I didn't really see the purpose of the hand in the paper because there was no shock that he'd been shot because, as we know, he was there. So I don't know. But, yeah, maybe it was to say, like, he's still alive. But, yeah. Yeah, because he's in intensive care, right? He's in a coma mm-hmm. like, uh, uh, throughout this episode. So um, next we get Bob Evans is at brunch with Robert Town discussing... Chinatown, and they have this exchange. Robert, Robert, Robert. Nicholson's in. He is. Did he read the scripts? He didn't have to. I said, Jack, baby, it's me, it's you, it's Blansky, it's Chinatown. Let's do it. Blansky? I think he's perfect for it. I loved Rosemary's Baby. Well, you're welcome. Yeah, he's got a European point of view on this country, and it ain't squeaky clean. It's a dark story. Hey, lifesaver. Can I get a vodka martini with a whisp of vermouth and a twist? Two? Uh, it's 11 a.m. One. Yes, sir. I wanted to leave in his drink order just because the way. Yeah. Again, Matthew Good. Oh, wisp. Like the, his delivery is kind of and. Yeah. I rewound up back to listen to it again because it's the way he goes. Wisp. Is that absolute belt of a line delivery? That is what Matthew Good is doing. Smashing of the park in this. Some of the deliveries of the lines. It happens again a couple of times in this, and this happened before. It's just so good. But yeah, what, that that drinks order is a belter. What what I like about this scene, and we get it throughout the episode, is like his kind of subtle portrayal of the wheels coming off of Robert Evans. Like in this scene, he, he kind of you start to see the cracks forming because he's asking him to. Can you tell me, like in layman's terms? what chinatown is all about basically so i kind of say like dumb it dumb it right down for me because it's, like, uh, it's a bit confusing yeah what's what's the pitch not to know because he just needs it because he, he knows he's gonna as well he's gonna have to sell this to uh, so he wants that that pitch but you can see he's not firing on all cylinders bob at this point he's um yeah and like we said I like what they do as well, where the sound, like you get that kind of focus into Matthew Good's face and the sound starts to go a bit like hazy and it's kind of like, he, yeah, it's like he can't hear so, Robert Town anymore. Like all hmm. he can hear is, um, yeah, it's like, I don't know, like the whirring of his mind as opposed to, and like, it's, yeah, he's fucked, right? He's kind of, yeah, he's, he's, he's his focus is off. Whereas, even though he's been a, he's a, a madman, 
previously. He's always been super focused on getting stuff done. He's been there, but yeah, that that's that zoning out shows that his focus is lacking and he's not quite what he was a couple of episodes ago. I mean, it's again, like we said, this timeline goes flies through, but he's yeah, he's obviously not firing all the cylinders he was. What in this scene? Polanski line, mm-hmm. the his European view is that squeaky clean. It's a bit, I don't know. How I felt about it. No, I think he's saying his view on America. He can see that. America's yeah, but like, I just uh, clean. Well, uh, Polanski is not a squeaky clean guy. No, that's no, that's what I mean. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Because I was surprised because we said before that Chinatown was mentioned, but. I think Polanski wasn't really mentioned at all previously. This is the first time they've spoken the name of Polanski. Yeah. But yeah. But again, it's one of those, like we've had the, the exchanges before, where it's Robert Town, Chinatown, Polanski, Nicholson, just to make sure we know everyone is involved in name checked. Well, he doesn't call him Robert Town, does he? He just keeps calling him Robert. Like in Robert, scene. yeah in this scene so i guess it is that thing like mm. we are i don't know we are we are given his name later on in the episode so if anyone was unsure like who he is but yeah and it is kind of laying out and i guess they kind of had to mention roman polanski because he did direct that film, yeah yeah like, unfortunately like and i'm sure it's because of that film because I know, like, the act that he did happened at Jack Nicholson's Nicholson. house. So. Yeah. yeah. So I assume it's all around that. But, yeah, so I I, I didn't think they were... Because Chinatown, as we mentioned before, I didn't think we'd have any more of Chinatown coming in, but I suppose we had to in this episode because, again, there's another exchange and this, this thing about his lack of focus and his... Bob Evans not quite being up to his job at the moment comes back in again with regards to Chinatown. Plus later on. Well, I'll I'll just double check here if that is the next film. Yeah, because obviously Bob Evans is always trying to see what's next down the pipeline. He, yeah. no matter how well things are going, like obviously they had a hit with Love Story, and then they had yeah like um. Yeah, and that now he's like in the midst of the Godfather. So Chinatown was nineteen seventy four. So you would assume possibly it would have been the next thing he would have done. Yeah. After uh God, I don't know. They're probably like everything in this show, there probably is a couple of things charted in between, right? Like yeah, yeah. how they just skip over some stuff a lot of the time. Uh is it well, weirdly, it's hard to decipher like what he had involvement in because uh, he was just the head of Paramount with a lot of stuff. Oh, he was an that's it. He's yeah. So he's an executive. Uh, oh no, he's just a studio executive for The Godfather. So uh, yeah. Uh, Chinatown would have been the next thing, and he mm, actually, yeah. he actually produced that as well. He's the producer on it. Oh, okay. As well, so yeah, um, I guess that's what he's 
firing down the pipeline next. Uh, the next scene we get is setting up something that is uh, an ongoing uh, plot line and kind of like bit of to and fro throughout this episode, which is Francis and Ruddy discussing if there's any money in the budget for them to go to Sicily. We're planting it nice and early. Yeah. Can we go to Sicily, baby? What did you and, mean? Yeah. And they have the conversation about, but there ain't the money to go to Sicily. But Francis wants to go to Sicily. He needs to go to Sicily. He has to go to Sicily. Because that's what he, that's what Francis wants and that's what Francis needs. Well, but as Ruddy has said, they, yeah, there's there's no money at this stage. Well, yeah, they're trying to look for it, right? And then Betty, uh, as this show normally does, Francis leaves, Betty comes in, and um, yeah, it's a one in one out thing. Yeah, and then she, but like, he he eventually tasks her with like maybe they should try and find a way to get some more money, but she's more concerned with the fact of how he is because obviously this is the first time that she's seen him since joe colombo shooting um what do you what do you what do you make of this thing because i think like there's something i don't know there's again do you know temple we're beating this drum again but she kind of she elevates every scene she's in and this one yes yeah, she she does and it, it she's every episode she doesn't have particularly like showy stuff to do. Uh, well, get up, but she doesn't have these showy moments. But she always seems to be, like I said, she she anchors the show a little bit. She comes up bring not slows down, but because it's fucking massive. Like it's great. There is scenes where you go, but she's always on a level where she's really good and yeah, anchors it. And she's quite good in this. Like again, this scene where. It's that interplay we've had before with the two characters. And um, it's nice that they have got this platonic, nice relationship, mm. Ruddy and Betty. Because like, yeah. she just says, How are you? And he's like, Oh, the budget. And, and she's like, No, no, you know exactly what I mean. She cuts through. And he shit, knows. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Don't bullshit me. Yeah. Tell me. And yeah, it's a nice, again, it's a nice exchange. And then she, Ruddy does tell her. What the score is? Yeah, and he 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 had he has plans to go see Joe Colombo in hospital, and she's like, eh, "Is that the right move?" Like, and obviously they've got one week left in New York to film, and he's like, "Well, if we just keep our heads down for the next week, we should be fine." And it, it ends on a great line where he's like, uh, "At least we're done with the mob." What what was the thoughts going through your head when it ended on that line? Were you like? Did you think, yeah, they are done with the mob, or were you like, yeah, absolutely done? I no, I knew. I thought, <laughs> do you know what's going to happen now? We're going to cut to the mob, <laughs> and, um, and and we do, we do, we, have, we do, yeah. We have Anthony Scudari again. Like, I think some of these small players in this are absolutely great. Him as uh, Carlo Gambino, and yeah, because we have Gambino and a couple of the other kind of heads of the families like having a meal and they're discussing how joe colombo was putting too much heat on them with the league and all this stuff with the godfather and they're all kind of discussing their concerns right and then there's lucchese's like how do we know that joe colombo's not going to try and come for us 
like he came for uh, like he came for Joe Colombo, which is like I'd be thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah, they're they're concerned about the old crazy Joe Gallo, just yeah, doing exactly the same to them, and then they say, "Why don't we find out?" And he he comes in and uh, yeah, tells them kind of lays it out like this. Mo never kicked up fairly on the week. And he never shared the skim from that fucking movie. But with me, you get a fair shake. I'm a straight shooter. I say we shut down the leak. It brings too much heat. Oh, I hear that. And as for the movie, I promise we will all share equally. You have my word. I'll squeeze that prick producer dry. What would you trust Joe Gallo? Will? No. Even with that, even with that impassioned speech, would you kind of be like, oh, do you hear him out? Or would you be like, no, 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 no. His mouth is saying one thing, then he's just saying something different. And he is, (laughs) he's, and he's called Crazy Joe. So, yeah, can you, I don't know, like, can you ever trust somebody who's called. Crazy Joe. Like, Absolutely not. What are some of the what are some of the nicknames? Uh what yeah, what are some of the, the weirdest nicknames like as own friendship groups you've been in? Like what are some of the nicknames that you've you've heard bounded about? Or what are some of your favourites, whether it's like in the past or kind of people you've known have been called? We had so I don't know if you <laughs> don't even know this about Wales. This is a Welsh thing, right? So there's a lot of Davids in Wales. Uh-huh. I've talked about this with is a, sometimes it's a game we play with my mates in the, in England. But yeah, so in Wales there's a lot of Davids, and short for David is die. So it's die. So if you've got because there's a lot of Davids in villages. People are known by their job. So it's like, oh, you know, play the sausage. He's the butcher. We had a David Davids in school with me. His surname was Davids. His first name was David. Die twice. <laughs> He's David twice. So, yeah, that happens a lot in Wales. But, yeah, we, had, we also had a boy in school with us called Newtie because he came to school the first day of comprehensive with a new tie. Oh, it's new tie. Bear in mind, we all had new ties, but that's by the by. But he's still new tie now. So, yeah. That's amazing. I love, I love. That's uh, a good uh, nickname. I love nicknames. I love, what The ones I particularly love is like a big Tony. He's five foot four. Do you know what I mean? Or like, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, you know, you know, uh, small, small Dave. And this fucking hulking bloke comes yeah. in, like all, all of those kind of names. Like, uh, oh, I'm trying to think. You know what? I asked this question. I haven't got any. Haven't got any uh, in the chamber to deliver off. I'm trying to think of some of the. Yeah, we. I must have had some in school because everyone, everyone had them. I mean, some of them are probably not repeatable, but yeah. See, it's like, For the yeah, David. Like this might be indicative of like my fr- some of my friendship groups. We had a mate called Fat Ian because he was fat and his name was Ian. Because <laughs> he was not because he was really thin because he was literally Fat Ian. Fat Ian. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, he he never like 
he never at any point would be like, can you not call me that? He'd be like, hey, it's Fat Ian. He'd be like, hey, yeah, all right, fellas, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that about nicknames. I love a good nickname. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. So we move on, and Barry is having a, a big old uh, go at Bob Evans for firing Jack Ballard. And, like, um, says to him, and I think this is a great put down. He says, You look like an unmade bed. Yeah, it's nice. It's a good, it's a good, like, uh, in fairness, Bob is not looking great. No, he's, he's, he's getting more and more disheveled. But he's still got that witty barbs to him where he's like, um, Last time I checked, I was the president. I, I was, uh, yeah, I was, I, I was the president of Paramount Pictures, and he was vice president. Ergo, I, I, I am senior. That's why I fucking fired him. Like something to that effect. Hmm. He says to him, and like, <laughs> yeah, and even when, yeah, you can. This is again. This is down to his Matthew's performance. He's like, even though he's an absolute shambles at this point. Because his shirt's undone and his his hair's a mess and he just looks like an unmade bed. You can still see why he'd be charming people. Because uh-huh. he's a charming guy. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, Barry doesn't get too long to put the boot in because Charlie walks in. And oh, what is Charlie's opening line to them? Because it's something like something regards to like um Sorry to break up your lover's tiff or something like that, isn't it? Like, somewhere along, yes, yeah. <laughs> somewhere along those lines. Yeah, is a, a Charlie dig, um, and then yeah, he basically and then ba- Barry like the fucking like bum licky. He's like, well, well, he fired, he fired Jack Ballard, and he's like, are oh, you upset that he fired your boyfriend? Like, <laughs> fired him, yeah. Get over it. He fired your boyfriend. He just carries on, yeah. I like yeah. I love a scene where like what what a one two punch you've kind of yeah. Even Barry gets a barb like they kind of this is great. Like everyone kind of like firing on all cylinders in this scene, and um, Bob has the task of telling them. Obviously, Charlie wants to know what's next. We've had love story. We're doing the Godfather, but what have you got next for me? And Bob tries to explain what Chinatown is. I got a great script by Robert Town. Chinatown. Chinese food makes me fart. Well, it's a thriller. Nicholson's interested, and I can get Polanski to direct it. Well, what is it? It's about water. I mean, it's about more than that. There's, there's a mystery in the center. Uh, there's a guy, uh, Nicholson's character, and he's trying to find out what's going on. Uh, it's Los Angeles, uh, water in Los Angeles, and Nicholson. So why is it called Chinatown? It's about 200 people. Who are- have, have you ever had moments like that? Where, like, you go headfirst into explaining something and then, like, fall flat on your face? Yeah, of course. About, about two minutes ago when I was trying to explain David's in Wales. Everyone's had those moments where yeah, it's it's hard work. But this is this is again just does show Bob is 
not at his best. Well, it, it normally is that thing as well. When somebody says to you, like, what, like, even a film you've just watched, someone would be like, what's it about? And then, like, you're kind of like, so there's this guy, and then he does this thing, and you just end up sounding like an absolute moron. Like, whereas, like, yeah. what's good about this is we've seen through seven episodes of that is not Bob Evans's style, is it? Like, it's yeah. he would he would even if he didn't know, he'd just be out. He what? He, yeah, he could sell ice to an Inuit. Like, he's that kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. He he absolutely would. Is that, I think in relation to that scene, what he wants to pitch, and he he zones out. He's not really listening. So then he hasn't got his pitch anyway because he wasn't really listening. And then normally. He's never on the back foot. He bang. He's got something in the in the tank. But it yeah, again, it just it just highlights that his brain is a little bit addled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The juice, the juice is leaking out, and he's not kind of yeah. yeah as you said, he's not firing on all those cylinders that he was uh, before. Um, and it's ah. Oh. It's saddening to watch, right? Because we're, we're basically seeing a man kind of like the the aftermath of finding out that your wife is cheating on you, like in real time. But um, so I did some. I wanted to bring this up now. I did, you know. Uh, let's give a shout out to What to Watch. They do these great articles about the fact versus the fiction, and Bob Evans didn't actually find out about Ali McGraw and Steve McQueen until after the the shooting of The Godfather. Okay. But there was still an element that he was a loose cannon in regards to drugs. I don't think he was as bad as they're showing here. Like, obviously, they've probably found that nice thing that that did happen just after like he found out just after the premiere of the godfather so he found out pretty soon oh, okay like um but they've obviously gone oh yeah what would be quite good is bob evans uh yeah co like it makes sense yeah it ma- it does make sense they've shifted it though to give him because they that you do need bob evans to have something because although he is charming he without something going on he is a like a lot of people in this are caricatures of sorts he would just be the bloke who comes in and does a funny line and we go oh he's funny bob you do need something to which is i assume why they've done it to give make him almost a bit more human just than the schmooze because I mean, without if he just did this, did his thing for eight episodes, because you'd have to have him drink and stuff. Because he is essentially a bit of a dick, but you kind of like him because he's Bob Evans in this. So you, I think you do need something, mm-hmm. a reason to have him go off the rails and be a bit wild. Oh well, it, yeah, give him a bit of humanize him a little bit. Well, it does say here, um, according to Mark Seal's book, Leave the Gun, Take the Cannoli, which I would highly recommend to anyone listening. Mm. It's a fantastic book. Uh, Evans' cocaine use, open brackets, along with some other prescription drugs, close brackets, impaired his performance during the making of The Godfather, 
but not quite as much as it's depicted in the offer. So, yeah, I think his his drug use was kind of off the rails. So that probably, that and his dedication to work and putting that first and foremost in his life probably compounded yeah. to the fact that Ali McGraw kind of, they distanced and she ended up in the bed of Steve McQueen. Um, there's some amazing stories of Bob Evans. Uh, I did a lot of research into the making of Popeye, uh, the Robert Altman musical. Have you ever, have you ever seen that, Will? I have seen it, yeah, a long time ago. And, um, yeah, it's bonkers. So if there was ever to be, like, a another series like this, I would. They would never do it because the film is a commercial and kind of critical flop. But the stories behind the making of Popeye, especially involving Bob Evans, are wild. Like he went to Malta and like took a, an attaché case. He had like trunks full of cocaine. And uh, they got lost at customs, and he had to write a letter. He, well, he contacted Henry Kissinger to write a letter to the Maltese Prime Minister to basically like big him up and say like, basically say we need those cases back, no questions asked, because if they opened those cases, they would find out that they were jam packed to the gills, full of cocaine. And, like, things got so crazy on that set that they were getting, like, dummies sent in to the set, like, full of cocaine. Shit, now. <laughs> Shit. It's, it's root, it's, it, yeah, it's said that uh, the the dailies parties, like, when they would watch the dailies, were, weren't so much people watching the dailies it was they just evolved into parties with harry nielsen yeah. basically doing nightly concerts for everyone and everyone just getting coked up and absolutely losing their minds so yeah if, if anyone's listening from paramount uh probably be a hard to do because it's a co-finance with disney that film but give us yeah. the making of popeye uh, we want to see that. I, love it. <laughs> I do wonder if if this because we've said it before. It's audience wise, it's been a, a success. I don't know what the the, the viewership is. You know what what the numbers are like with streaming. You never know. Nobody knows. Yeah, so we'll never know. But I do wonder if the numbers are decent and because like you say the, the the difference between critical and audience on rotten tomatoes now is quite massive because people who are watching it are loving it i don't think anyone's anyone's knocked on the head and gonna have two episodes in forget it so i do wonder if they there would have been conversations where that would have been a plan because it's a fucking it's, it's a great idea for the show you know what i mean like different focus on a different film and yeah, like i said i'd love the popeye one doing it in like the mold of like the uh um, brian Mur like ryan yeah. murphy stuff yeah like, ryan murphy. yeah exactly like american crime story where yes. you, you just take a different film each time because yes yeah, there's some because it's quite often the story behind these films are better than the films 
Mm-hmm. Like, I should say the Popeye one. Right, there's got to be something in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it might have gone up since we last spoke. So the audience score on the offer for the offer on Rotten Tomatoes is 96%. See? <laughs> I've said it before. That's pretty fucking. That's pretty good, like. And you know, that's that's way up there. And I think if it hadn't have had that for some reason, a bit of a critical drubbing, like Matthew Good, I'm a, I think he would have been in conversations for or what he he might be. I don't know, but next year. But I think he would have been in conversations for awards and things because mm-hmm. he is genuinely really good at this. Wow, let, 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 I'm going to read you a review from somebody on Rotten Tomatoes. JC wrote, best TV series I've seen since Queen's Gambit. Okay. Definitely. Okay, fair play to them. Yeah. People, people are loving it. Yeah. A lot of, uh, so, so, yeah, somebody, somebody's given it a four and a half star review as well. Amazing, but dropped off in the final two episodes. So maybe maybe we're in maybe we're in for choppy waters after this. They still gave it four and a half stars. So yeah, so I mean, in fairness, if you've done eight, I don't see how we. Oh, maybe we're like you say, maybe not. Not maybe dropped off. Like no, no. I mean, if if dropped off, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I well, maybe. But I'd be surprised if. uh, Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, um. I'm looking for, I want to, I want to get the Sicily and stuff. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I'm just surprised the drubbing it got. I think it was misunderstood. And I think some people in it would have been up, would have been in conversations for, I mean, let's be honest, some of the shit that wins Golden Globes and Emmys is way, I mean, performance wise, Matthew Good, Dan Fogler's great as Coppola. I mean, ready. Juno Tempo. You know what I mean? They, yeah. I, I'm, I don't know. And Miles Teller is a bit of a man at the moment, the minute. These are all mavericks. So, I, yeah, I'm just surprised it's not in more conversations with those things. You, you mentioned Dan Fogler. I've, um, I'm going to say this on the podcast just in case he's listening. I've actually, so I reached out to Dan Fogler. Uh, sent him a just just added him on Twitter. Said, "Hey Dan, do you want to come on the podcast?" He sent me a DM. We've been trying it. We've been trying. I, well, it's got to the point where I've sent him two messages, and he is not replying. So Dan, I'm crying out now. Please come chat to come chat to me about well, come chat to us about the offer we want to we want to know all about it we want to all all the gory details what it was like to play francis ford coppola sorry but there a bit whoa that's gonna that's gonna lose us listeners isn't it i thought you were getting emotional (laughs) no no no. No, it was it was my chest yeah 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 um (laughs) so let's go from that to the next scene we have is betty is planning the rap but overhears Gianni Russo being inappropriate with the costume lady. Um, and then, yeah, in- intervenes to what is going on. Uh, what else? Yeah, well, how does this scene play out? And what did you think of? What did you think of this scene, Will? 
He's a real piece of shit in this. And it's weird because, like, he is every scene he appears in, and it's not many. I think he's been in one or two before now. He was in that one where he first turned up, didn't he, with, like, yeah. the pastry. And, and he was... He's, in the, he's at the table. Some, yeah, and he was portrayed as this doofus dickhead then. So we've had doofus dickhead. Now we're scumbag piece of shit. So, I, yeah, he, he's not... Well, yeah, he's basically saying very, very inappropriate things to the person, um, the lady who's... Um, yeah, she's measuring for suit, measuring him, measuring suit, and Betty over here is there, and he's, yeah, just being a dick, real dick. Yeah, proper like, like, ah, oh, ah, oh, baby, I, I like the way you look from this angle. Like, he's proper like. Yeah, yeah, she said, um. You turn around. She's like, like yeah, I'm going to need you, to, I'm going to need you to turn around. Oh, it's funny, because that's what, exactly what I was going to say to you, but you look pretty good from this angle on your knees. Oh, like, oh. God, you fucking asshole. But, yeah, obviously, Betty's overheard this. And, no, and he said, yeah, he said something. That's what Betty overhears. He says, she's, you might, you might feel a small prick. Because mm. he's, if you might, I don't want to prick you. And he says, something like, oh, you might prick fight, or you whatever. Might a big prick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, something like that. And anyway, Betty overhears that. And she comes in and there's an exchange. Where he's just being an arsehole. And yeah, they they don't like him because he is a, portrayed as an absolute well, yeah, dick. I've got some Horrible. Opi- I've got some opinions on this, but I'm gonna hold them back for a little bit mm. for later on in this episode because yeah. uh I think I would be surprised if I'd, yeah, I'd like to know Gianni Russo's opinion on this show and like the way they've portrayed him because some of this is not based in fact at all. Uh, yeah, because Betty ends up stabbing with the pit with a pin, doesn't she? And says if he yeah. if he says anything inappropriate, feel free to like stab him, stab um, him again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we cut to Al. Uh, going to see Columbo at the hospital and he talks to Lenny mm-hmm. Montana and Caesar kind of asking them how they're doing and then he asks them a question of well he asks them this so what happens now uh, you know Al when you come to a line with us you don't cross it because once you do you won't be able to cross back now I could be wrong but I don't think that's the line you want to cross. Am I right? So, do you, like, what do you think they're referring? Like, they're obviously talking about they know what they want to do, but like, yeah. don't want to implicate Al into it, right? In the fact that, like, just once you're in, you're in, and you don't want to be in this far. You got. You're all right. You're on the fringes, but don't cross. Don't cross the line. Yeah, the, the the titular line of the episode. So what? A, yeah. Let's have a little chat about Jake Cannavale. What do you What do you make of his performance in this show in general? Like he's kind of 
been given a, a lot to do to shine in this, right? Yeah, and I mean, again, he's had it. It's a little bit. There was a little bit of, we said, stereotypical caricature, caricature, but he's, again, he, he does have these moments of being, yeah, humanizing. And I think he's really, again, I think he's really good in this mm -hmm. because he's, he is properly likable. Yeah. And you could see why yeah, he's at, obviously, he's, He's a mobster. He's done some bad things, but he's as a character, he's likable, and he has got a charm about him. He's a bit quite. He's, he's funny as well. Yeah, yeah. I think he's really good. I think he's genuinely really good. Yeah, I think I think, I think Jake Cannavale as an actor like this, from looking through his IMDb, is probably like the biggest uh, spotlight he's got really on on like kind of him getting to. I don't know. He was. Well, he looked. He look, he looks pretty young and he was in the show Nurse Jackie in 2012. So I would hate to think how old he was then. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's, yeah, have, yeah. let's have a little look at how old Jake Cannavale is. So Jake Cannavale is 27 years old. So yeah, he's a he, he he's a young guy. So what, two thousand and twelve would have been seventeen years old, and yeah, his yeah his <laughs> oh, here's one thing I didn't know is Jake Cannavale. Not just is his dad Bobby Cannavale, his mum is Jenny Lumet, and his grandfather is. The renowned director Sidney Lumet. So he uh, is. Okay. He, he is from some pedigree stock, right here. <laughs> he got. He got connections. Yeah. He got. Yeah. 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 He got. He got big. He got big. And I kind of like that throughout this show. So, like, one of the things I noticed, obviously, like they've got. Um, do, do, do. They got Dexter Fletcher to direct the first like two episodes, and obviously he's been in he's been in and around Hollywood for years, right? He was like a child like actor and stuff like that. Uh, Bugsy Malone, yeah, Bugsy Malone, he was in, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I think that's one of his first things, like Hollywood wise, big uh, film. And then you've got um, you've got Adam Arkin, who again was in stuff really young and like from. A family, his dad, Alan Arkin, I, I'm sure, like, was working in the early 70s. So people who have probably worked with people who have told them stories and, like, kind of know this industry inside and out. And it's kind of interesting. Like, I think Colin Buxey, who uh, directed those middle couple of episodes, is just a really steady pair of hands when it comes to TV directing. I've recently heard him mentioned on the um breaking uh yeah like um better call saw insider podcast like i think he's a guy who's directed episodes of that and breaking bad and stuff like that he's kind of got this illustrious career in tv directing but i find it interesting that they've kind of got these people who are like yeah like someone like jake cannavale he's got this heritage in hollywood 
Yeah, like you said, with that, with those those episodes that he did, um, that were directed, Dexter Fletcher, as I said, he's been around for years, but those those middle episodes that he directed, um, not Dexter Fletcher, but yeah, they were not pedestrian, but they were those, you needed those steady pair of hands, like Work TV with, hands. That, episodes, yeah, yeah, really just got the job done. Now, and that is not, a, there's nothing wrong with that, but it, it it they, those episodes needed that because it, and yeah, of course. But yeah, it is interesting. Like I, I hadn't even made that connection really with, like you say, Arkin and uh, Fletcher, and that they, they are people in, and like you say, now they, they are people in there who have the, the lineage in Hollywood, and that is quite, yeah, yeah. It almost feels like is that intentional, right? And then yeah, this episode is directed by Gwyneth Horder Payton, who. Again, from looking at her resume of stuff that she's done on IMDb, she just seems like another kind of steady pair of hands directing a lot of TV stuff. So, like, she's done Sons of Anarchy, 11 episodes of that. Once Upon a Time, Justified, The Bridge, uh, Hawaii Five-O, The Walking Dead, Torchwood, The Killing. Blue blood numbers like criminal minds. It kind of goes on and on and on. The shield, like she's kind of really like a another kind of a TV director. And I guess, yeah, I think if I'm correct, it's Adam Arkin comes back for the final two. So okay, like, so we've got yeah, we've got somebody like yeah. So directs the most of all the episodes in this. What yeah, um, four episodes. But yeah, like kind of somebody who's in early doors, like did episode three and four. So like, I don't know, like that's uh, maybe go out on some panache. Who knows? Maybe that review earlier is right. And these the last two episodes are a bit flaccid. But um, Al Ruddy, we see him go to Charlie to ask him for more money. As if he hasn't gone to him enough asking for more money. He's asking for even more money. So they can go to Sicily and film. Uh, but things are frosty. Like, what? Well, yeah, like, we we start to see, like, him having some concern for, for Bob Evans as well, right? Yeah, I really like that, this scene for that moment. Because Charlie is doing his thing where he says... What did it say on the wall outside? Who do I work for? You know, and all this when he says about, about the money, I don't work. But there's that, just as Ruddy's like, okay, and they leave. There's a, it's played really well because he almost like drops the facade for a minute and just says, like, what's wrong with, there's something wrong with Bob. He, 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 he picks up and was like, you need to find out. But it is definitely a moment of genuine concern, I think. Mm-hmm. Because we had that moment between Charlie and Bob in the previous episode where you can see there's a mutual respect and they, they butt heads. But, like, oh, I don't know if they're mates. I wouldn't go that far. But there's a definite mutual respect. Like, people, people do clash and do their thing because they're both... And I think in you this know, kind of industry, there's not like... Got their mask on. You never normally... you never really mates with people in that industry, are you? It's nah. kind of like you're very much like 
trying to get to a mutual beneficial goal at the end of it that's that's kind of what they yeah. are and it, i don't know you'd like you'd like to think that charlie blue dawn like had a soft spot for bob evans because i imagine he probably put him under a lot of shit if this show is anything to go yeah. by and probably like yeah, yeah from the stories i've heard of bob evans like yeah i wouldn't be surprised if charlie blue dawn was like I don't know. Maybe, maybe something about him excited him. I, I could imagine, like, like this guy is. Wild. Yeah, yeah. Like, and if Charlie Blue Dawn was, yeah, he seems pretty wild as well. So he's like, yeah, kindred spirits almost. Kindred spirits, yeah, yeah. But I think we've said it before with this this show, and obviously, it's not hundred percent factual, but I quite like the fact that they do. I think they literally refer to themselves as the gang or the family in this episode. There is a there's a little gang going on, and they do have this crazy family relationship. Do you know what I mean? But it, when the gang are together, when they're all like Charlie, Bob, Ruddy, Puzo, although oh, uh, we have like Puzo episode. again in this episode, second one in a row, livid, but. Yeah, it's, it's, there's a there's a camaraderie amongst them, and it's quite. And I I don't that probably wasn't true. I don't these, but it's nice. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's. I think you do need these moments because otherwise it would. If it was just that show, which was about the making, it was all like Barry Peters was just the the numbers man, and Charlie was just. A, it'd be really. It'd be a dry, you know, like. Ooh. If it, if it was like it actually, so you've got was, to, it would, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be, I mean, it would just be. I th- I think the criticism for this is it's like sensationalized. But if it was matter of fact and how it actually was, like people would probably well, be like, "Oh, it's a pretty boring show." <laughs> yeah, like, and I think I think people really like. You should have got the vibe of the show when you re- you knew Dexter Fletcher was directing the first two episodes. Because mm-hmm. he, he, you look at his his IMDb, his directing. He's a fun guy. Do you know what I mean? He's not. He's not making. I mean, was it um, Sunshine on Leaf? Yeah, Sunshine on Leaf. Um, Picked up Bohemian on Rhapsody. Rhapsody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? So he, he's Rocket Man. He's not do you know what I mean? like, it, Rocket Man. It's fun, isn't it? it, it that's what he. It's breezy, it's fun, it's... And I think that people should have realised that from a lot of people, critics, should have realised that, because that's what it is. This isn't... It's not... It's, a, it's, a, it's fun. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's not, like you say, it's not factual realism, because it would be just... It would, it would just be quite... By the numbers, and you've got to spice it up. And that's why I think they do well with the gang and the camaraderie. Definitely, definitely. Well, we move on to a scene. Al Ruddy goes to the set. And Talia Shire pushes past him. She is not happy. Betty McCart goes to see her. What do they discuss, Will? Well, they discuss the fact that she has been actually hit on set. Why? And 
Yeah, so she's been hit by, um, oh my God, I can't remember his name. Gianni Russo. No, Gianni Russo. So, yeah, she's been actually hit by Gianni Russo during the scene. And obviously Betty is like, which, yeah, it's crazy that he's actually struck her. But she, Talia doesn't want anything made of it because she doesn't want, Francis has put so much into it. She doesn't want to cause any problems. And Betty's like, fuck that, you should say something, basically. But she's at Talia's adamant, no. But um, yeah, so Betty tells Francis and Ruddy. Mm-hmm. Well, like, and then, and this is something I've got a big problem with the show about now. It's the fact that I was sorry. I was going to say I was going to ask you, like, because I I don't know this part of it. I didn't know how true this was. So I was like, fucking hell. I uh, so. Obviously, yeah, researching The Godfather when I did an episode on it, I listened and like read a lot about the making of this film. And even when like kind of doing the research for this episode, I kind of like did another little dive. And there was never any mention of A, Gianni Russo being inappropriate to a like one of the costume designers, mm. and B, him ever hitting Talia Shire. So, um, yeah, like, Talia Shire, like, talked to the Hollywood Reporter about the domestic violence scene. She never mentioned Gianni Russo hitting her. So, because that's why it, it appears that this is made up for the show, which is a pretty which is, serious. It's a, yeah, and it's an, oh, it's like, if it's not true, or it's not, you know, there's not stories of that. It's a strange choice. I think, especially like, from, when we come on to this, yeah, go on. From knowing, like, the repercussions it has in the show and what it kind of hmm. puts into motion, is they have lied to get to the end goal instead of <laughs> instead of like uh actually portraying the truth which is something happened between two actors Gianni Russo and another actor outside of the set which did actually happen that led to a scene being more violent than it was let's yeah let's talk about the fact yeah, that so that's what that that's what I was yeah so okay, at, at, that's what I was going to ask you about. So, before we get to that, oh, I just wanted to know like, what you thought about that exchange between Al Ruddy and Al Ruddy, Betty, and Francis, because I think there's like a master stroke from Dan Fogler in like the kind of, I don't know, like, you see this thing where the, like, the passion and the facade, not facade, but like the kind of, the passion for the film He's kind of been dogged and very much like on the film, yeah. on the film, and you see that slip, like when he kind of hears about Talia being hit, right? Which I thought was a beautiful bit of like kind of uh, emotion and stuff like that. But like, obviously, it's in the back of my mind, like this is bullshit. Like this didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, it's now we know it's bullshit because I, I, I had my suspicions it was bullshit because I, I would some, I thought. I'm sure I would have. I know enough about The Godfather and heard enough stories. It would be something I'd heard, 
Do you know I would have gone, oh, that, yeah. But taking that, the fact is bullshit out, the, that, this exchange is quite, because exactly like you said, we've had a couple of episodes where Francis, it says, we did mention, we said earlier on that, because um, Ruddy says, you are very needy. And we've had a couple of episodes now where Francis has been a bit needy and focused and nothing wrong with that, but it, we haven't really had the fun Francis of before because mm-hmm. those exchanges, the poos on Francis was great because you've got that, but he has just, his role is just to come in and go, but I don't need this, but I need that. This should be happening. This should. So it's the first time in a couple of episodes now where you get a, oh, I think it's their very lazy way of showing that Francis was under a lot of pressure like, yeah. whilst making this film. And like oh and I think it is the fact that like this isn't the Francis Ford Copeland like show. Do you know what I mean? There is there is a, ba- a Barry Levinson um like directed film that's supposed to be made at some point that Oscar Isaacs is gonna play Francis Ford Coppola called Francis and the Godfather, which like I imagine would be like a film that very much goes into his portrayal of like or like his story yeah. of how this film came to be, which like I'm I'm very excited for. Like I, I'm kind of like cast, good casting too. Yeah, and you've got Jake Gyllenhaal as Bob Evans. Oh. oh yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> they are two of my favorite hot boys. Yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. Elizabeth that. Moss as Eleanor Coppola as well. So, like, mm. so we get to see that side of it. So, I think we get to see some yeah, yeah. maybe like the the dark nights of the soul for Francis in that. And like, I, I'm kind of watching the the imdb of that to see like where are they at like kind of like yeah like like waiting on any news like kind of got a bookmark for stuff of like oh, anything happening with that like i saw the other day that barry levinson is supposed to be directing a film with robert de niro like where he's playing two roles in it and i was like does this mean yeah, the I end saw of that? Does this mean the end of uh, Francis and the Godfather? But maybe he's holding off on it. And I hope, I hope the kind of critical panning of the offer doesn't put the kibosh on that on that um, mm. on that project because I think that would be really interesting. Like, yeah, to see it from so, Francis. Yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Because th- I think that's where. The pacing of this show is probably because although the pacing is fun, because like we've said before, it is like a cable, we just bang it, just but then we do kind of again, we Francis for the last couple of episodes, we haven't had any character development of him apart from the fact he keeps going on about what he needs because he's passionate, mm-hmm. but we, we don't really see him under pressure, it's more of a case of. Him just bursting the room and going, but I want this. Yeah, and Ruddy going, oh, I'll try my best. So, yeah, that that is a shame. With then it's not that, like we've said, it's not that show, but it is a shame where there, there is stuff that's obviously to get to, like you said, the end goal. Other stuff is pushed aside. So we're not getting, like again, 
Puzo we haven't seen for two episodes now. But I, ima- I imagine, kind of like they I, just. I imagine like that probably is true that Mario Puzo by this point he'd written the script so probably wasn't on set. Yeah, but they don't set it up that way. You set it. They they, they just they literally drop it. He's gone, and that's yes. happened a couple of times. There's no. There's no like whether that's because there was they've had to bath through this, and maybe there is. You know, we the script was different, but Puzo just went, mm-hmm. and it was such a you kind of. Although, yeah, it probably is correct. He well, he wouldn't be knocking about, but you, it wasn't set up that way. They set up this gang, and it was great fun. And there's been no mention of it. Mm-hmm. Like they've just dropped it the same way. Francois never been mentioned again. Puzo's not been mentioned. They just kind of like move on to these things, and it flits about with the characters as well. Like well, you look at yeah. this episode, the girlfriend that. Uh, uh, that Al Ruddy had in the last episode is nowhere to be seen. Like it's kind nowhere of like, to be seen. Not a mention. Was she just the device for that episode to kind of yeah us a couple of like a bits that we already knew basically, or just to have that kind of cringy line about the the horse's head being about the of uh, the American like America and stuff like that. It's like yeah, that it's a, about? a like, real bum of, note. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, they, they, they do. Yeah, they do make some strange. There's some strange choices made, I think. Because yeah, I don't know. I just don't know why we've. If you're not going to be factual about certain things, why set up Puzo in the gang? You could have had him knocking about. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Rather than like stuff we were enjoying, or give him a goodbye, and, right? Or being like, yeah, or have. Yeah, but nothing. Just a line, like, did... "Oh, Mario, it's a shame you're not going to be. You're not going to. You can't. You can't be here for the. Yeah, the, for, for nothing the at all. Like, boom. It's just yeah, yeah. You should not hear it. I get the. Uh, yeah, you could even done it. Oh, we'll get to it. But there's a something happens in this episode. Where he could have easily been there, and that would have been his send off. Because we we flip between characters all the time. So it was instead of that weird girlfriend subplot. You could have had Francis and Mario having a glass of wine and just doing their thing, but it just didn't happen. Or we could have seen that. are strange choices. We could have seen that scene of Francis and Bob actually going for that drink that they said they were going for at the end of the last episode. I'd love to have seen that. (laughs) I'd love to have seen it, yeah. Instead, we had that bullshit with a girlfriend. Weird. but So, um... Yeah, so they're not happy about this situation, and Al Ruddy has mm. ha- has a plan, but he also has uh, time to mention the fact to Betty, like, um, you need to, we need to figure out a way for for looking for some more money in the script, and then Al goes to see Jimmy Khan, the late great Jimmy Khan. Uh, to ask him a question. I'm saying the like he wasn't yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know what I mean. Obviously the actual yeah, Um He has a plan of how to get back at Gianni Russo for his indiscretions and hitting Talia Shire. And then we move to them shooting probably like a real iconic scene in the film, right? The the fight between Sonny and um Carlo. Yeah, the beat down. So, yeah. so he, his yeah. plan is to, 
to not pull any punches, actually fight him. Um, which, yeah. What, 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 what did you think of the construction of this scene? Because we don't see the actual fight. No, they, they, they've used the, the trick they've used throughout this, where, which I, I think is the correct move. They're not re, they don't do reconstructions of the scenes. We see the reactions of the people doing the scenes, which is great because it, it, does, it could fall apart when you start recreating scenes because they're such iconic scenes. Then recreating it wouldn't work. But what they do really well is they recreate like the location perfectly, the mm. costume. Yeah, yeah. Because you see Gianni Russo come out in that because he's like in that scene, Carlo's wearing that like orange kind of like silk shirt and the like matching trousers and stuff like that. And you're like, oh yeah, they, they give you those they, details right. Yeah, they give you enough mm-hmm. to remind you of the scene. They just give you enough to go to get you in the scene and go, oh yeah, I remember this. And then the reactions rather than reconstruction. You can say the the sets and everything that the in the show, the sets and it for the uh, are super, they are brilliant. Like, yeah. And kind of, yeah. So you're you're in the scene without seeing the scene play out. So yeah, we they do the trick where we cut to the reaction of the the crew, and as the scene's going on, you can just hear it happening, the beating. I love I love and, the fact that we've got like the he must be like the fight coordinator going like that's not what we planned in rehearsal. <laughs> like, he just keeps yeah. going like. That's not what we planned in rehearsal. Yeah. That wasn't it. That, that wasn't it. Yeah, and then oh, we'll just give it, just give, give it one more minute. So the, yeah, the, the, this leads me on to the fact that that scene, James Khan did have an issue with Gianni Russo, but it was not about what this show has shown us. It is the fact that both of them went on a night on a night out, and James Khan is from New York, like knew like a lot of like mob guys, and was out with kind of like his mob connections. Gianni Russo, again, was somebody who had like a lot of mob connections, and like knew a lot of people, and they were both on a night out and kind of had like a dispute about something, and James Khan was kind of like pratting about and. Nearly got like Gianni Russo into some trouble with some mob guys, so like they kind of had a bit of a beef with each other. So it feels like instead of like giving us an extra scene about two characters that they haven't really given us a lot of, they thought they could like just subvert it by like making it more about like things that people vaguely know, like obviously. Gianni Russo's character in The Godfather is abusive, so they're like, well, let's just lean on that as opposed to mm. what actually happened about this dispute between Gianni Russo and James Kahn in real life. Yeah, I, I do think... I, so it's been hinted at in other episodes that um, about the treatment of women on the set in these and it was it's been here and there was it there's conversations Betty has, Betty has had and you do think this was a really clunky way of dealing with that as well. And like I say, he's John is 
is if it is bullshit, he's been done really. It's unfit. Yeah, it's a it's a strange choice to make to make that the thrust of why that happened with James Khan. But I do think it was a clunky way of also dealing with yeah, dealing with the treatment of women mm-hmm. on sets. And what's yeah, I did. Uh, it's not been my favorite scene because also it's a strange choice then to. They've really done him dirty because they then play the James Khan kicking the shit of him for real laughs. Mm-hmm. It's it. It's really a, another one. We seem to have won an episode, a clunky scene, and this this one, which is a shame because it's such an iconic scene as well, didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. I thought it was well, a, it's, a, it's, a real it's misstep. The fact that it's real. It's like it's kind of for a, for. A- for a man who is very much still alive and kicking, like, and it would probably be yeah. worse if he was, if he, if he, if he, had, yeah, if he, if he had passed away. The fact that they've like totally fabricated this almost allegations, not allegations, but like kind of portrayed him to be like this, like sexually assaulting people and physically assaulting yeah. people on the set. Like, and, uh... For for a lot of and people, also if, that would be their impression of Gianni Russo. Yeah, and also, uh, well, so I'm jumping ahead, but so this scene finishes with afterwards, doesn't it? So Gianni Russo is so Gianni Russo had to be in an ambulance. Yeah, yeah. And Betty comes over, and now they double down again on his arsehole-ness. We we get it. You're portraying him as an arsehole, but then he's like, oh, how cool is it? I got beaten up by Jimmy. Jimmy. Uh, yeah, which, yeah. which seems even more of a dig now what you've just told me. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, a, it's just weird choices for his character all the way through. Well, I don't think that, like, was, his, that was his... He yeah. thought after that he, case, like after Jimmy Khan actually did hit him, he thought, like, what a fucking arsehole. Like, and I know... No, that's what I mean. It's strange for them to put the line in of him going, oh, so it's so cool. I got beaten up by James Jimmy Khan, which seems even more of a dig at him for some reason. Yeah, every every choice made in this is odd. And like I say, the playing it for laughs. And this is not to. Yeah, it's weird. Obviously, this discussion is neither of us saying that James Khan was a a bad guy in any way like i think i think think both him and gianni russo in real life were probably hot-headed guys and like that's where they butted heads but like the way that it's been portrayed in this show seems very like i don't know it's not also when sorry like when you think about it it's again it's an odd choice i didn't really think about until just now when you said about like james can't be in they're just like you say hot-headed guys they probably did have a beer and have a little bit of a clash, but then also the choice of the ruddy could go up to Jim, Jimmy Khan and say, "Oh, you know what he's been doing," and then Jimmy Khan would go, "Yeah, I'll just beat the shit out of him then. on camera." It's all very, really clunkily done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one comes out of it well. Yes, that is a thing, and like knowing the truth, and it's not, it's not hard. Mm find out the truth if anything like if this is from the mouth of al ruddy if anything it makes him look pretty bad 
you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, we, it's, we should say, that, like, yeah, because this is because it comes up as a title card, isn't it? Based on the based on the um, stories of our Ruddy, yeah, 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 stories of yeah. I can't remember what I've put it in the title card now, but based on the whatever of yeah, story. of our Ruddy, yeah, yeah, because classic experiences of our Ruddy. So because it's not it's not based yeah. on a book or anything. It's just literally him and um. Uh, Michael Tolkien, had, yeah, had conversations about. So then, I guess kind of makes sense the pace of the show because if it's not, it's literally not written down. It's just someone telling an experience. So they go, it's like someone going, yeah. And then, then we went there, and then we went there, and he said that, and then we were there because that's kind of exactly how the show is. <laughs> it's like yeah, and then we were in New York, and then we were in there, and then we went to Vegas, and then so it. Well, if yeah, I can yeah, imagine yeah. that's think, how it, it's written. Somebody who is in his, like, 70s, you've got to imagine how ruddy yeah. is now. Like, kind of retelling. And let's be honest, like, what? The earliest, maybe they started talking to Al Ruddy about the potential of this, 2018. So Al Ruddy is, oh, Al is 92. Oh, well, there you go. So... That kind of makes sense because I would imagine if you try to say to a 90, you know, I'm sure he's perfectly compromised, but you would go, yeah, and I think then just after that, we went straight to Vegas and then we came back and I think the mob turned up and then I think I saw Betty. Then I think, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So that is pretty much how the show goes. There's no, yeah, so that does make sense. There but should this... have been a nice wraparound for this whole series. It should have started with, the the the, the mod, actual Al Ruddy like having a conversation yeah. and then gone doo -doo 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 -doo, you know like yeah. classic like, like <laughs> so it was 1970 and then yeah, yeah. it was 1965 <laughs> and yeah. I was yeah. I was pitching I was pitching Hogan's Heroes <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah that makes sense how it but yeah I mean if it is from if this section we were just on well, with Jimmy Carnage, if that is from Al Ruddy's experience, then it probably someone should have had a look at whether that is true because it's not good. But how does it work as a show of like putting putting the kind of truth aside? Does that scene work? Like kind of putting the truth of how does that scene work on its own? <laughs> I still don't think it's dealt with very well. I think putting the truth aside, even if we don't know, it was always. I I think we always knew there was going to be there was going to be some sort of way they were going to deal with like the treatment of women because it's been hinted at so much. Like there's been little drop where Betty has said had conversations with other women, and Betty has had conversations yeah. with. Uh, so it was always going to be dealt with in some way. And if this is the only way they deal with it, then even with the truth, putting the truth aside or whatever, it's still not great. Mm -hmm. I just think yeah, so it's one of these duff notes this show tends to have. I think it is sometimes when they're trying to deal with, trying to not be serious, but put something, get a point across. So, like the horse's head, 
oh, this is our America. So you go, fuck it now, all right. That's a bit on the nose. We get it. And I think this this is what they've done here. They've tried to deal with it. I mean, a real world issue, but like an issue and just not done it very well. An issue that is very pertinent to Hollywood yeah. now as well. And, yeah, and just not done it very well. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, of course, some, but I, I don't think really this is the, we get it because there was hints for it. I don't think it's the show that kind of needs to deal with it head on. And that's what it tries to do and fucks it. Well, it just feels like there was a thing of they realised maybe writing the scripts. Oh, we haven't set up the James Kant character enough. Yeah. We really set up the Gianni Russo character enough to actually tell the true story. Let's kind of like, it will be easier to do it this way as opposed to tell the actual mm. story. Yeah, I mean, we don't know. And amalgamate some things they wanted to say into one mm-hmm. and get it out, get it all in there yeah. and kind of fluffed every element of it. And like, because I think this episode is a stealth Betty McCart episode as well. Like, mm. because she get kind of gets big moments in this. She kind of gets that first um, confrontation with Gianni Russo. She gets this confrontation with Gianni Russo where she ends up punching him in the stomach. And it's like... Well, if you ever think about hitting a woman again, think about think about this. Boom, like one in the stomach, and it's kind of like, oh yeah, and like she kind of gets moments throughout this episode, and like we get we'll get to a scene where it's like, oh, we're kind of like looking at this through Betty's perspective almost. Um, but the next yeah, scene, we, absolutely, the next scene we get is Al and Betty. Um, discussing how Betty went to the accountant and there is no more money anywhere for them to be able to, like, afford Sicily. And Al comes up with the ingenious idea of playing the futures. Can you explain what what his plan is here, Will? Yeah, because he says to Betty, if you haven't played the stocks... So he's yeah he his plan is to um, yeah play the futures. So he's going to obviously with the companies who are providing things, he's going to promise them that he's going to use them on the. He'll say oh, on our next movie, we'll use you, we'll use this, we'll use that. So then he'll get a discount. He still has the money. He'll get the discount. The money he saves, the discounts, he will still have a pot. Which he can then use to go to Sicily is basically the the idea. And I think it's like a pretty cool scene because you've got him explaining it, and then like we see it happening. It's that kind of like kind of kinetic, like exciting thing we see in film, like that nice like voiceover of him making these deals with people and like doing and exactly kind of bidding, right? Exactly how they portray in loads of films, Wall Street and stocks. Yes, you see the boards and stuff, and it's exactly that when he says we played the stock, and then you'll 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 in other films you'll go to the the you know the the stock rooms and there's people doing. He's like, this is what they do. It so they use that trope in this, and I I quite I I liked it. It was quite yeah fun scene watching him go in and do his deals and the voiceover base. You know, is that? Do you think you go? Yeah, yeah, it was good. I liked it. I like that. Then again. 
they end up with 20, they, they save 26 grand. So they've got the money because we've seen Which is quite, in the episode because I, Francis kind of I works was out how much they'll need for, for, for Sicily. And he's like, well, yeah, Gordy Willis can kind of, he can light it with a matchbook. Like we'll need me, you, we'll need um, Dean Tavolaris. Like we'll need Al Pacino there. We can do it for 25 grand. So like, obviously for us, it's like you hear 26, like, oh, they've got more money than they need. Like, <laughs> is it? Oh, my note was literally 26 grand. Lucky that. Because he, <laughs> he, he's quite specific in his 25,000 pounds and they got 26,000 pounds. But yeah, but it's a fun scene. Yeah. I don't know. It's again, how if that played out in reality, but it's another one of those fun scenes. Mm-hmm. And then next we get Al going to his hotel room because he's, he's shattered. He's kind of done all these deals. He needs to go home and get some rest. I think Betty says to him, like, no, oh, you stand at your hotel. He's like, yeah, I need to get a good night's mm-hmm. sleep. Does he go home and get a good night's sleep, Will? No, he bloody doesn't, does he? Because he gets there and it's only crazy bloody Joe's there. And a couple of his goons. A couple of his fucking And a couple goons of his there. goons. Yeah, he's not going to have his... He's not poor Ruddy. He never gets any sleep. If he's not getting battered around the head, he's with his new girlfriend who's disappeared. Oh, he's having yeah, so he gets of back. the soul, isn't he? He's there, like walking yeah, down streets like... Walking down streets, getting girlfriends, having nightmares. Ah, oh, he's in hell of a shape. But yeah, so he gets back to his hotel room. They're waiting there, and it's Crazy Joe. Crazy Joe wants to introduce himself, so he introduces himself as Joe Gallo, and he wants a piece of the action. He wants the piece of the action the Columbo ad, which was none. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I love Joe Gallo's opening line is to him: "I'm Joe Gallo." And I'm in charge of your movie now. And he like proper like puts a squeeze on him, doesn't he? And I'm kind of upset yeah, yeah. with this episode with obviously Joe Colombo in a coma, but we haven't been able to do well, fucking. We haven't been able to do Joe Colombo. No, because Joe Joe Gallo it's... hasn't got the voice, has he, to do the Columbo? Nah, he's just got the eyes, which is not ideal for, for a, a um, non-visual <laughs> format. <laughs> So, yeah, he, he just got the, the proper stereo eyes, the bulgy eyes. But, yeah, I'm a bit disappointed. I, I'm I'm going to miss you, Joe Colombo. So far. He gets but, proper yeah. roughed up, so, doesn't he? Like... I think it's an ice bucket to the head. <laughs> Hit with an ice bucket in the head, as old uh, um, Ruddy. And, yeah, basically, so they, 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 they put the squeeze on him. Gallo wants the the cash that he assumed um, Columbo was getting. And as really explains, he's like, no, that's not, I'm not bullshitting you. There was no cash. It was just an agreement we had. And he was, but crazy Joe, because he's crazy, is not having none of that. Yeah, he he says, wants some call cool, like, of cash. He says, next time I see you, I want, I want, I want money, basically. Don't he? It's like, mm, yeah. that's what I want. That- <laughs> Yeah. Ooh, ooh, that's what I want. And um Al then falls onto his old confidant to have a chat with. And I'll bet him a car. 
and they discussed the go the the go the Joe Gallo situation, and um, yeah, he talks about the fact that he may have to give up the money for Sicily, and like they have a conversation about like she asks him like, "Are we safe?" and he's just like, "I don't think so anymore." Like, no, he's 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 a worried boy because yeah. he said it's just it's the first time he doesn't really know what to do. Yeah, he's like I don't know what to do because just to hammer it home again, he's afraid he's gonna cross that line. Yeah, well, he says this. Jesus told me that I was coming up to a line that I probably didn't want to cross. But honestly, I think I crossed that line a long time ago. Has he crossed the line? When do you think he crossed the line? When in his mind do you think he crossed the line? I think in his mind he probably when he went to the 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 um the league, the rally the first time when he got photographed and he I think he kind of knows he was in the pocket of Joe Palumbo really. I think it was before then. I think it was that moment he oh, was that guy tied to the chair no oh, of course yeah that was before then yeah so the that yeah the, with the house i i forgotten that was before then yeah so i think yeah because we said that in that when we were talking about that episode that's one of the a tonal shift in and he went oh fuck it, that's quite it's quite heavy because quite a dark scene so yeah it would have been that moment when he saw a man literally pisses himself because he was being threatened so much yeah, that's. I, I think that's crossing the line. Yeah, yeah, he definitely crossed the line then. That yeah. was that. Uh, yeah, I think that's the moment he's talking about, right? And then, like, um, yeah, him and Betty discuss the fact. Like, I think she even says to him, like, "You've kind of, you've got to give away the Sicily money to Joe Gallo. Like, mm. can't." We, we 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 can't go on like this. You've got you you got to do what's got to be done. And he wants to go speak to Joe Colombo. He's like, that's the person I need to speak to about this, which obviously might not be uh, might not be the case. And then we get the scene of him going back to his hotel room. What did you think of this? There's a bit of acting from Miles Teller, a kind of like fear that he has when he goes back to that hotel room. Because it, again, I think it's another side to him because Ruddy's always been pretty. But he's a hard bastard. You don't, you know, he, he don't mess about. I mean, he said that himself. He's, you know, he's quite, he's quite bullish in his tactics. He don't mess about. He's been pretty unfazed, but apart from pissy pants man, he was a bit phased then. But he has, he's never been phased by like. Joe Colombo really, he's always been pretty, up. but this, he's jumpy, he's a worried boy, as you would be if Crazy Joe's come into your room and hit you with a nice bucket in the head. So, yeah, but I thought it was quite good, because, again, it was only a little short scene, but again, it's on the side of him to show that he is on edge, and he is a worried boy. Yeah, I don't blame him one fucking... Uh, I'd be a bit tense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's that thing like you know that you can't even move to another room. 
because if yeah. Joe Gallo wants to know, he's going to fucking know what room you're in. Um, and then, the, the so we get the next day, and Evans goes to see Ruddy. And he's looking like shit. And they, they have like oh, a kind of... He's fucked up. They have a discussion, and like Ruddy's trying to be nice to him. Like He's kind of like saying to him, like, yeah. have a chewing gum like we haven't got to be on set for a while like maybe you can go back and have like a little bit of oh, chill sleep yeah 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 and evans ain't evans ain't listening he's kind of like nah bubby i'm doing what i'm doing what i'm doing i'm 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 all good and then as he leaves the room francis comes to see him speak about budget sicily and this is when he gives that kind of impassioned speech, right? Which he kind of says this to Ruddy. Mm-hmm. Now, you know what is necessary to get the job done. Sicily is a necessity. We have to see Michael. We, we, we have to see that last chance of happiness go up in flames. His heart turned to ice and stone. He has to live in Sicily in order to feel that beauty evaporate and we have to live in his skin in order to feel that pain. And this movie, without Cicely, it doesn't live or breathe. I need it, please, Al, I'm begging you. If we don't shoot it there, they're gonna cut this whole sequence from the movie and for us to get this far. Please, I I just can't give it up. I can't find the money. I'm sorry. I know you're going to find a way. I think this is quite a lot of poignant scene in the fact that, like, I don't know, you see the pressure on Al, like, he's got, like, and I think it's the way that this show has portrayed Francis, like him being like somebody who's like pushing upon Al, but like you get that moment where he like first apologize, he like when he apologizes to him and he blows up to him before then, doesn't he? Kind of says to him like, I like you, you obviously we've seen the kind of culmination to this and uh, yeah, like he's got a lot of other stuff on his mind, but like, He's fucking being put through the ringer, his old owl, and like... Yeah, and it's quite good because you also get a sense of, like, Francis has got his... Not got his way, but Ruddy's always sorted out for him. Francis is obviously not seeing for real the pressure Ruddy's under, because he's like, he'll figure it out, because he's always has figured it out, whereas we know... Ruddy is in a right pickle. So, yeah, it's quite a good scene in that sense that, you, again, you see another side of Francis, uh, another side of Ruddy, because he is properly fucked now. Like, he, he doesn't know what to do for the first time. Really doesn't know what to do. But Francis is like, yeah, basically, yeah, all right, have your five minutes, and then you'll get it sorted, which is not the case. Who knows? Um... So Ruddy 
in this kind of moment of despair, goes to see Joe Colombo, who's in a coma, and he tells uh, Caesar about Joe Gallo, who, despite the kind of what I think Al Ruddy wants to hear, is told, well, you just got to go with it. You like whatever Joe Gallo wants, you've got to. You've got to go along with it. If he wants money, you've got to give him money. If he, yeah, he basically says, "Just do what you got to do." He, you know, he's a, he's not a man to be crossed. Yeah. Crazy Joe, just do what you got to do. If you got to pay him, pay him. And obviously, as an audience, we know that means he's going to have to give up Sicily money, which is like, yeah, very much like it's it's on the table throughout this episode, right? It's like. It's all about well, they Sicily money. There's a lot of Sicily mentions. Just in every every other scene, in case you've forgotten, we need to get to Sicily. So yeah, I mean, yeah, they they definitely need to get to Sicily. And yeah, we like I say, we, like I said, they we know that he's got the money for Sicily, but he's going to have to give it to Joe Gallo. That's the only way out of this situation. And then. Oh, and they said, yeah, come uh, As Alroddy goes to leave, Caesar gives him a watch for Betty. Uh, to kind of like... Because did she lose the watch when in, in that mugging? Well, I think as... She, when in that scene with the mugging, there's Caesar says to... Um, Betty. Betty gives the bag back. Yeah, oh. but her watch is broken. And... Caesar says, oh, is that... And he, she says, oh, don't worry, it's just a watch. So I assume that's what it's referring to. Her watch was broken. I don't think it was stolen, but her watch was broken. And Caesar remembered. So, yeah, he's, he's even more showing that Caesar's got the hops. Betty McCann gives her a watch and says, you can't... She can wear it anywhere apart from Florida, which seems like a bit of an odd request. Um... And then uh, Betty and Al have another one of their kind of like talks of the soul. Betty asks him a very poignant question of kind of like the journey they've been on that we've seen throughout this series. How the hell did we get here? What do you mean? We started out getting shot at by Mickey Cohen. Now I'm getting gifts from gangsters. It's better than the alternative, trust me. Fuck Sicily. Give Gallo the money. It's just a movie. That, that. Really reminded me uh, in in the score of Succession. You watch Succession? Oh yeah, yeah. Bloody love Succession, yeah. mate. It really reminded me of that from Succession. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of like I, I think like again we've mentioned it in previous episodes, but the the score on this show is really great. I think like kind of. It's a really, yeah, it's kind of really understated and like kind of plays upon themes from The Godfather in interesting and fun ways, I think. Like, big shout out to the composer for the series. 
yeah, the title sequence is great. It's a great bit of tune. It's a great tune. Yeah. So what do you yeah. think about like obviously Betty's like kind of um thoughts on fuck Sicily and like they just yeah, they have to give the money to Joe Gallo. Like I don't know, is that a bit of like a heartbreak for you or are you like kinda of, okay? Yeah, I, I, I kind of get at this point because they just know they're in the shit. And I think she's more looking out. I think I, I got a sense that it's more about looking out for him because yeah. she knows he's, yeah, he's, she's, she can see that he's at his wit's end. He, and he's had a lot put on him. And she can sense that just fucking have a minute. You've done everything for everyone. Fuck Sicily. Just give him the money, get yourself out of this shit, and let's carry on. And so I think it's again it's just platonic. Yeah. yeah. And Al's worried it's not the end, right? He's like, this might not. Yeah, he's not. Uh, he's so daft. He knows the score. And we go to the next day and they're on set to film uh one of one one of the more iconic moments in The Godfather, right? They're ready to shoot the 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 Don getting shot in the street, the, the famous oranges scene. And we get <laughs> We get again Justin Chambers kind of coming in as Brando, being like this kind of sage mage. Like yeah, he's like a he's like a kind of he's like a mage, isn't he? Kind of giving this sage advice to people. And yeah. Him, him and Al Ruddy are talking about being shot. <laughs> I I can never quite decide if I love the Brando stuff or think it's just ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? Because all he ever does is appear and just do these monologues. Or well, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like monologues of this weird shit. But yeah, but then I think that's what I want from my Brando. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I, we've never. I, we said it last week, and I don't care. I'll say it again. He, I, I like to believe now in the the. So he just appears from somewhere because that's what it feels like. He just appears from somewhere, just from the shadows. Can you can you back up a bit? Because I think it I think it cut out there. What was he saying about, okay. about Brando? Um, yeah. So I like to I like to believe in the universe of this show that Brando just lives on set, <laughs> and they just he just appears. He comes out of somewhere, and he's just there, full costume, full Brando, full. For the Don and just does his thing because he does just a. We've he's, I think he's probably the only one we haven't seen anywhere. You have that one scene in his house and then that's it, he's on set and he just appears out of nowhere, like, like I say, like, like just out of the shadows, like Nosferatu, and just <laughs> goes, So <"Saw." laughs> here he is. And, but, and they, there's what, yeah, what I like about it as well is. There's always a little bit of a look of wonder about everyone who's speaking to him. Like, just looking at him going, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, and imagine yeah, what it was like yeah. to be around Brando, right? Like, I imagine he's yeah. quite an enigmatic, kind of elusive guy. So, like, he kind of would mm. just kind of prop up and be like... And what I love about this scene is they're having this kind of, like, in-depth conversation. And whilst they're having it, James Kahn 
comes past in a car pulling a Mooney at Marlon Brando. He's like, you think you're the Mooney King? And like, which I know is a fact on this scene, like uh, on, on this set. Okay. Is there was a lot of like pranks between James, between a lot of the cast, but like particularly hmm. James Khan and Marlon Brando, they would like pull pranks on each other. And like this, like they did a lot of moonies. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, that, excuse me, that's it. Again, like I, I would have quite liked to have seen more of the Jimmy Khan character and stuff. I, well, I don't know. Maybe we'll, we'll see more, but probably not now as much because there's not much. But like, they could have foregone at some of the other weirder choices. And had we could have had more. I think we have the perfect amount of Brando because I think if you have too much Brando, then it wouldn't work. He because be he is he's great as Brando, but he needs to be that elusive, like I say, coming out of and doing his monologues, and and it works perfectly because it's what I want for my Brando. But I think it's a shame we don't get more of. They like say there's more of. Because Jimmy Khan's character is not set up at all. Mm-hmm. The only thing we've got from him really is that. Again, I think you were the dinner table scene where they first all met, and then Ruddy just going into his dressing room and saying, "And the Mooney." That's pretty much all we've got from him. I would have quite liked to have seen a bit more interaction between those rather than these weird, clunky, fucking girlfriends turning up and stuff. And I think I think there's there's more kind of um, shows, films to be made about like the making of this or like the kind of stuff around this more from like the cast perspective. Cause you think about like how much we've got time with, I don't know, like, um, uh, what's her name? Diane Keaton, John Cavani, well, Zale and stuff like that. It's like, we've got, hardly anything, right? and they did kind of, again, it's one of these weird choices that we've said before. We, they, they, they kind of set that up. Because I assumed that's where we would go in. And I assumed... So you had that dinner table scene, which I know like you did say that that did happen. That's how it played, almost how it played out. Well, no, no, no. It but played then, out a lot, uh, uh, over many a night. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, and they... but so to, to set it up in the way they did with this show, to set it up like that, to have them all there at that time, rather than over a period of time, bang, they're all there, and then do nothing with it is a weird choice because you introduce and they did do a kind of thing where you were kind of introduced to everyone in that scene where they're like oh so you go oh so that's diane keaton oh so that's but nothing nothing's come from it since which i think is a shame because it whether there was i don't know but yeah it's just it, it it's another one of those strange choices to have that set up with no real payoff mm-hmm. yeah 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 and there's there's so many stories you can tell from this. Like, just I don't know. I'd love to see a film. I don't. Well, I'd love to see a biopic about John John Cazale. Like that's a guy like mm. who's got an impeccable film career. Do you know what I mean? Like was in five oh, films. It's a bangers. Five films. Mm. All like four of them Oscar nominated. Like. Or all of them Oscar nominated. So he's in what? He's in Godfather, Godfather Part Two, The Conversation, 
Dog Day Afternoon. Dog Day Afternoon. The Deer Hunter. No? Yeah, yeah All five Oscar nominated. Hmm. All five absolute bangers. Like, <laughs> nah, they are bangers as well. That's a run. That That's is. A run. That's yeah. all right, there. And was, and was dating Meryl Streep as well. Like, what a. He's on an absolute win. Yeah, he went That's out. a real streak. Not a Bob Evans streak, one film. That's a genuine streak. Yeah. I w- yeah, 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 like, went out on a high, I reckon. Like, let, let's pull one out for John Cazale. What a guy. Um, so, who else is knocking about on this set? Who who comes to pay Al Roddy a visit on this set? This uh, I'm shooting this scene. Oh, yeah. So, this conversation is shut, cut short slightly because lurking in the shadows. Crazy Joe's there. Crazy he, Joe Gallo. What's he got to say for himself? Where's my fucking money? That's basically what it boils down to. He's the set's cool. He likes it how they made it look like an old timey, an old timey street. And I think yeah, he does. That. He says, "Oh, it's cool how you made it look like an old." And Ruddy's about to engage in conversation, and Crazy Joe does the stare, cuts him straight down, and says, "Where's my fucking money?" And it's that's, uh, yeah, yeah. Basically. <laughs> yeah, and then he just does his threatening, crazy Joe eyes and says, um, you know, I want my, my money. Ruddy explains to him, there is no money. Things are tight. We we ain't got no money. Not crazy Joe's not having it. I want it by midnight. And invites him to his birthday party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, I'm having... I'm having I'm having a birthday drinks and a bit of dinner at Umberto's around the corner. He's like, you got till you got till midnight to come pay me. Maybe you can buy me some. What was it? Buy me some baked clams. That's it, baked clams. Yeah, <coughs> yeah. So yeah, but he's back under pressure. Back under pressure by old Joe Gallo. Um, so they're setting up for the shot of yeah, the Don. And I like the fact that you get like the the little the little exchange between Francis Ford Coppola and the actor playing John Cazale, where he's like, uh, "Oh, do you, do, like, where do you want me? Like, do you, do you just want me to get out of the car?" And he's like, like, "Do you want me to grab the gun?" And he's like, "You do it after. You do it after." And then like, yeah. And it's another little note of like Francis being Mister Mister Perfectionist because he's setting up the oranges, isn't he? Yeah, because they're like a big, yeah, they're like a big thing yeah. within within the godfather as well there's obviously that thing of yeah every time an orange is on screen the color orange seems to signify somebody seeing their end somewhat do you know what I mean like there's that thing of times with the orange and then the don does the thing with the orange pill and then like ends up dying do you know what I mean like yeah yeah like yeah, nice, yeah. Nice, nice little thing with the oranges. Oh, yeah, of course. And then, like, what do you think of this scene? The way it's like, kind of the they don't show us the shooting of the Don, but the way yeah. they intercut it with uh, the sh- the the gunning down of Joe Gallo. What do you? What, what, yeah, yeah what do you I thought it was. That? Well, it's just clicked when you were just talking because the last thing we see is. Um, Joe Gallo being shot 
and then an orange, and I didn't click until just then. So yeah, but yeah, so they indicated with the the shooting of the shooting in with an actual shooting taking place over baked clams in the restaurant. So yeah, I've always done quite well. Again, it was it's a clever way of not showing an iconic scene, showing the filming of an iconic scene, and intercut like intercutted with a shooting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I again, I, I I think it's quite a shrewd move on their part. I, I, I'm not repeat myself, but to still have these iconic scenes because you want the iconic scenes, but not reconstruct them, and then use that as a plot device to have an actual shooting is it's a nice, it's a it's a good move. So I need to interject here and say, like, let's just say that. Uh, Joe Gallo had nothing, like, put no pressure on Alroddy in regards to the making of The Godfather, had nothing to do with uh, the, the 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 production, did not put any pressure, and was shot on April 7th, 1972, when The Godfather had already been released in cinemas. Mm-hmm. So, like, it was his birthday that he was shot, but they've obviously fudged mm-hmm. the timelines again to make it, fit the show like for a dramatic sense and i think it very much does yeah adds tension to the show tenfold right? but also yeah de- yeah definitely and i mean obviously that's the purpose of it and it, it works quite nicely to have the shooting it during a sh- the shooting of a shooting does that, does that make sense yeah the shooting yeah, yeah you know yeah. what i mean make, make a shooting during the shooting of a shooting yeah yeah and I, I i get that narratively it makes sense and it's nice. Who and shoot, you get the orange. Who shoots Joe Gallo? Oh, yeah. So we don't know at first. And then the older ski mask. The mask is off. lifted. The ski mask comes off. It's only bloody Caesar. He stepped up. He's manned up. He's done his thing. Like he's a callback. And his line to Joe Gallo is Joe Colombo says goodbye, fuckhead. What a what a closing line for and spits. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, lovely. But yeah, again, it's it's another thing about a callback to the a conversation Colombo and um Caesar had. Are you ready to step up? You're gonna step up, you're gonna do what you gotta do. Mm-hmm. And he does. Shoots the shit out of him. And he this there's a it's shooting. He does shoot him a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. Proper shot up. So there's a there's a rap on Joe Gallo's life, and there's also a rap to the New York shooting of The Godfather, and then we head to the the rap party, where um I I like the kind of interplays between people in this. Like the first one we get is Francis talking to Gordon Willis about wine. Like I love that kind of yes. exchange. <laughs> Yeah, it's great because it also he says because um, Francis is on about the wine and he says uh, actually make it a double yeah <laughs> or whatever it is yeah so, yeah make it a double because it's yeah, going to be yeah. in other words it's going to be a fucking long night yeah 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 listen to this yeah. guy and it's kind of showing their like disdain for each other and then we get like we get these nice little interactions between people we've never seen before so we get Brando having a talk with. Betty McCart and he kind of explains this she fawns over his like acting right and it's like I 
like it looked like you didn't act at all and then he kind of delivers this speech about michelangelo and the fact that he said i didn't i did i didn't like i just saw the piece of marble or like stone yeah i saw it was it i i saw um like my brother said he just saw the stone and he sculpted the truth mm-hmm. and that's what can but what i quite liked about this exchange with betty and um brando is that brando is brando in and betty's a, like a little bit you could see he's being went over by because it's brando but there's also the end exchanges there's a little knowing look about brando where he almost gives a and it's played really well because it's almost like he gives a wink and says hey there you are. That's what you want from me. I'm being Brando. <laughs> and it, it's played really well because I thought, yeah, you little bugger. I know what you're doing. And yeah, it's, it, yeah. It's the moment because Brando's been fun, and hit, but it's the first time you've gone, yeah, it's played, he's doing it really well. Yeah, yeah. And like, like, it's, it's, it gets interrupted because Charlie calls Brando over and he's like, yeah, yeah. Betty says to him, like, oh, you've got an admirer. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you've got an admirer as well because there's someone standing behind her at the bar who's kind of, like, checking her out. Mm. And um, then we, like, follow Betty through the party and she has, like, a little bit of a boogie with Bob Evans. Mm. And then Evans, uh, Ruddy arrives. And then Francis asks him about Sicily. And then Ruddy and Evans have, bit of a confrontation about the way that Evans has been, which kind of erupts into this. People watch me, but we always have always well. You know why? Because I'm Bob Evans. I'm the best there is, yeah! So you can keep your fucking sticker gob. Your shoulder to cry on your sympathy. I don't need it. I forgot more about making movies than you'll ever know. They're looking. They're looking because they know. I know the secret. They look because I shine like gold. We're looking at you now because you're a joke. What do you make of that kind Fuck of you. Oh. Bob Evans eventually takes fuck off throws like a, a glass down on the floor and Ruddy's kind of I don't know, gone in there with the best intentions, right? Of kind of like, are you okay? Yeah. Are you alright? I think, though beating the same drum, that Matthew Good is fucking great in this scene. Mm-hmm. Because although he's doing the... It's played really well. He's doing his thing. I'm Bob Evans. I'm this. But his face is telling a totally different story. He's in a shambles. And he, he knows it. And the, the, pat, the, pat, the parting shot of... Everyone's looking at me because, and then Ruddy saying, you know, everyone's looking at you because you're a fucking joke, basically. Yeah, it, it, Bob Evans, or yeah, Matthew Good, but, but Bob Evans knows that and he just knows he's fallen apart a bit, really, but he's still Bob Evans. Got to do his Bob Evans thing. It was the first time we've seen it slowly happening throughout the episode. It's the first time we know. Yeah, he's fucking lost it. He's he's lost it now. 
the throw in the glass and because it it makes sense why we had again this massive the way they speed through things like Bob Evans suddenly became Ruddy's best mate you know my bow and all that but it makes sense that now even he's turned against Ruddy who we had I'll always have your back in the last episode mm-hmm. is what he said I'll always have your back you're my boy and so he's just yeah he's on a spiraling out of control yeah and that even the way he leaves like he knocks over a table and it's kind of like yeah, he stumbles and it's it's the first time yeah so although he's a shambling mess sometimes he's always even when he turned up and he was been out all night and he turned up on set with the, the when they were shooting the um the diner scene he was like oh i never say like, but he's he was still cool as fuck. He was doing his thing. But it's the first time you see him where he's not cool. He's a mess. He's stumbling over tables and people are looking at him going, you're embarrassing, mate. Yeah, yeah. Even like, it, it's happened to the best of us. Yeah, of course, of course. It makes me feel like, oh, Bob Evans can do it. Uh, yeah, I've, I've done it plenty yeah. of times. Like, fuck, yeah. Uh, yeah. Then we cut back to Betty, kind of, and that's what I like about this scene. Like, it is kind of, we get a lot of scenes of Betty kind of interacting with people. She confronts Barry and calls him Barry Lapinus. Uh, yeah, it was, this really made me laugh because I, it, it, the, these, there is proper funny moments in throughout this series. And I think this is especially funny because Juno Temple plays it so well. Like again, we're saying, oh, but well, she plays Juno Temple really well. Like, uh, that's what was, yeah, we are the Juno. It would seem we're the Juno Temple fan club yeah. because again, and I am, and I don't, I, 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 I don't think we're alone in that as well. I think like no, absolutely well, not. No, I, a Juno Temple fan club. Yeah, and I mean. Playing pissed is. I don't. I don't know. I'm not an actor. I. I. I, I can do pissed quite well, but playing you pissed. Have to get you could. You. <laughs> yeah. This is it. Yeah. Actually, this. This rosé has been one of my favourite wines we've had because <laughs> it's almost all gone. So, but yeah, the she plays it really well. It's not over. It's not that. Oh, over the top piss where you're slurring your words and uh, she's playing it perfectly where I was watching going, Yeah, she's she's getting pissed, she is and she's doing the thing where she's saying that a little bit too much. It's not over the top. She hasn't fallen over. She's not spilling her drink. It's just exactly how pissed people talk where you just go and it's played quite well as her because Ruddy's in the battle going, Oh shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. She's saying a lot. But yeah, it's great. That exchange with Lupinus is great. And, like, and she, says, she says, and he says, actually, it's Lupinus, and it means uh, stone. And you're, you're stoned. <laughs> you're stoned too. Lupinus is stoned. It's great. It's funny. And I love the kind of closing line on that where Barry says, uh, I don't think she likes me very much. And Charlie, Charlie <laughs> says to him, nobody does. And it's like a no way that yeah no no no, no. no way that's your Barry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Ruddy tells Betty that he's going to have to give the Sicily money to Joe Gallo. 
and then obviously like i think she yeah she just wants to go to the toilet right she's like yeah you do what you've got to do and then as she's heading to the toilet bumps into caesar obviously as the audience we know that this might be the saving grace but yeah and before this ruddy when ruddy first came in he told francis like um before he had the confrontation with bob evans yes sicily and happening so yeah so again they did to admit like that was quite it's only a small moment but it's quite a good moment because it's one of the only moments where i think it's a bit of a moment of realization and a bit of like oh i haven't got my own way for francis because he doesn't even attempt to well what do you mean it's a case of ready gives him a look and says it ain't happening and francis just walks away which is net that's that's the first time that's happened where francis hasn't gone like you can do something we can do this we can do that i think it's a bit of realization for francis all oh, right i think this is serious now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then back so Francis. To... Hmm. And then back to. No, yeah. So Francis just thinks it's not happened at all. He is yeah, resigned yeah. to the fact. Sicily's a no go. He's down in the dumps, right? He's kind of sat in a corner. No, he's sad... drowning his sorrows. Sad boy. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't. What did one of them says about. Because as Francis is walking away, is it Charlie? He says. Oh no, it's um Bob. Bob says Bob wanders over and says, Oh, who kicked that guy's puppy? <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Yeah, so Caesar comes to see Betty and then thought, I need to go see Al. And uh he goes to speak to Al and says to him, like, Well, there's one thing in it, like, are you okay? And he's like, No, no, I've got a lot on my mind. And he's like, Well, you don't have to worry about that psychopath anymore. And then we get the, the look of elation on Albert's yeah. face that, like, he knows Joe Gallo is dead. And then Ruddy rushes over to Coppola to let him know. Well, what does he go to let him know? Because he's on. Sicily is on. And again, I love it because it's one of these. So Francis, Francis does his big announcement with his glass of wine. We're going to Sicily. And there's a cheer where it could have been that Anchorman high five moment. This is why I wished Pooza and I'd been there. So they all jumped in the air, high fived. And please frame episode end. How did you feel about like when he announced that? Obviously, like you could kind of see it like that was the that was the thrust of this episode. Will they won't they go to Sicily? Yeah. How did you feel though when it was announced at the end? Like I, I, I I'm going to admit it. I kind of had a, a little bit of goosebumps, like when he says to him, like, well, like yeah. just Francis' reaction. I loved it. I thought, yeah, because it is the thrust of the episode, Francis. Although, in reality, we know ninety percent, ninety we knew, and to ninety percent of the people who were in that room didn't really matter because they ain't going to Sicily. What he meant was he's going to Sicily. So, but you know. Yeah, they were all happy for happy for Francis because he got his his Sicily trip. Me, but yeah, me, I liked it. Me and five people are going to Sicily. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to Sicily. <laughs> we're going to Sicily. Some of us are going to Sicily. 
Not all of us are going to Sicily. I'm going to Sicily. <laughs> so, with yeah, this... It's, 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 it had to be the culmination of the episode. We all knew who was coming, and they, they played it well. Yeah. So, that's the end of the episode. What did you think of this episode as a whole? Like, in, in kind of relation to the others? Is this a... Is this a... Is this one of the, the good it's ones, or is this kind of a duffer? It's a bit of a funny one, because, like, it had some of my favourite little moments of the entire series. Like, that, the, the, the penis stuff, and the Gallo stuff was quite good. The Joe Gallo is quite tense. and But then it also had a couple of the duffest moments. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that, that, that whole section we talked about, is not is a problem for this episode. It's not dealt with well, and it's a shame because, yeah, overall it's a good episode. But with the series eight episodes in, are we are we leaving the gun? Are we leaving the gun or taking the cannoli? Are we moving forward? Oh, I'm absolutely moving forward. What? They're going to they're going to Sicily. We're going so, to Sicily. Yeah. 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 So the next episode is called The Way uh, is called It's Who We Are. Um what do you think that title says about what what do you think next episode is gonna entail? What do you want to see in the next episode, Will? Well I have a suspicion they will be in Sicily. Because it's been mentioned a few times. But yeah, I, it's who I think is going to be a I would imagine the whole episode or the majority of the episode is in Sicily. Because, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the title reference is to, though. Hmm. But I think a lot of it's going to be in Sicily. And I would imagine the last episode is going to be the premiere and stuff. So yeah, I would think Sicily first half, then wrapping up production, then last episode, the premiere. So, the IMDb synopsis for next episode mm-hmm. says, as production runs into challenges in Sicily, Roddy leaves early to get Evans back on track. Coppola's vision to edit is jeopardized by post-production disrupt. Uh, disputes Betty thinks about her next move and next episode as well mm-hmm. is an hour and nine minutes it's one of the longer ones Ooh, it's a long one because what was this this was about 45 minutes wasn't it 48 minutes yeah but that's that's factoring in like the, the mm-hmm. previously on and the credits and stuff like that yeah so probably about 45 minutes and then yeah, yeah. So, are you uh, you excited to go to Sicily? What are your thoughts? I can't wait to go to Sicily, mate. I'd love to go to Sicily. I'll be interested to know if it was actually shot in Sicily. Mm-hmm. Considering, what? like, that is a big oh oh. So I'm on IMDb here. It says shoot uh, filming locations, Los Angeles. 
California. Ah. So, uh, so they can they make go Los to look si- like Sicily. It would it would seem so, yeah. <laughs> they just couldn't in 1971. Amazing, amazing. Well, yeah, that about does us for episode eight of the offer. Um, as ever, if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to get in touch with myself and Will. You can catch me on all the socials at Caged In Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterbox, and TikTok. And you can catch Will on Twitter at Will Chich. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Will Chich. Amazing. So please be sure to leave a review and take the cannoli wherever you like to listen to your podcast, whether that is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are consumed. And until next time, please be sure to take us up on an offer that you can't refuse as we look at episode nine. It's who we are. As ever, I've been Petrus Patsilavus. I've been Will Chech. We'll catch you next time. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Drip Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.